Welcome, welcome, Shabbat Shalom. Welcome, world changers. Great to see you guys here. This is another Shabbat and uh, another time of fellowship. I'm going to start talking about Marcion since uh, that's been a little bit of a stir recently since I post that, posted that video about Marcion and, and the facts. Fact, yes, uh, at least virtually certain as much as you can be, all things considered. I mean, almost 2,000 years ago. Um, virtually certain that uh, Marcion is the one who started the New Testament with Paul, um, and that he was uh, he is uh, the earliest and most notorious church heretic that has ever cursed the face of this planet. So, um, yeah, let's see what we got here in the chat here before I start. Um, Kalamantos says Shabbat Shalom to all. Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome. Mimi says, I love Israel because my great-grandparent came from there. Came from, or Therese, may, or may God bless you. Uh, sorry, uh, just, the, uh, just the way it reads here. May God bless you in all, in all is, in, may God bless you all in Israel. Rosbisius. Auspicious to all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Mimi, and blessings multiplied to you. Welcome. Uh, Mark says, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Mark. James says, uh, Shabbat Shalom, Mishpacha. Shabbat Shalom, brother. Good to see you. The Tower Time says, Blessed Yahweh. Thank you for this set-apart day, our heavenly Abba. Hallelujah. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Bless y'all. Thank you. And blessings multiplied back to you. Welcome, brother. Uh, Richard, Richard says, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Richard. Good to see you. Uh, James says, Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, Psalm 94 says, Shabbat Shalom. Caballero says, Shabbat Shalom, brother Christopher. Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Blessings. Alex says, Shabbat Shalom. Happy Shabbat Shalom. And to you as well, Alex. Good to see you. Question for Move says Shalom. Good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. Trey, are you still over there on TikTok? Just wondering if you're still there. Um, not sure if you guys can read that on TikTok. I got a green screen going on here, just kind of directing people over to. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, Trey. If you're interested in actually. Um, having more of a fellowship, I would, I would highly recommend you go over, uh, to my channel over there on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to start by, um, by reading a little bit from the document that we're reading last night, which is a document that was written by, or at least featuring, Jason D. Badoon, a historian of the church, um, and he is one of the more prominent figures that teaches. And... Um, conveys uh, the his history of the New Testament, especially in the fact that Marcion was the one 
who basically started the New Testament. I mean, before Marcion, uh, the the books or letters of um, of the New Testament, which wasn't really even formed back in those days, were just kind of floating around as just that, just letters and documents, biographies, or you know, in the case of Paul, it would have been letters. So Trey says, when you see Elizabeth Meredith, it is me. Okay. Says here, encourage your viewers to share your live and invite more friends. Yeah, if you're interested, if you know of anybody who wants to talk about some of the things that I usually talk about, um, invite them. Trey says, what's your YouTube? Just uh, two ways to get to it. it. You can just go to my TikTok bio. There's a link to my YouTube channel from my TikTok bio. Or just go over to YouTube and search for Christopher Enoch. Okay, you said you see it. Okay. All right, so um, one John says Shabbat Shalom over there on YouTube. Shabbat Shalom, one John, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, we had quite a night last night, didn't we, with, um, with Brother Will. Spent over six hours with him. Okay, so Elizabeth Meredith, this is Trey, says I'm here. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so a few days ago I posted a video um, about how Marcion is the one who actually put Paul in the New Testament and how Marcion is actually, he was denounced by almost, as far as I know, every, every if not most of the early church fathers as being a heretic and even more than that, full of the devils and even the son of the devil, the firstborn of Satan, all these kind of things that, that, that they said about Marcion. Uh, he was the one who actually started the New Testament. In fact, I'll show you a little clip here of one of the, for those of you on YouTube, that is. I'm sorry, on TikTok, you're not going to be able to see this. But on YouTube, uh, there's a little bit of a clip here from one of the documents um, from Jason D. Badoon, uh, church historian, uh, called the uh, the first New Testament, Martian. Martian Actually, the, the correct pronunciation of Marcion is actually Martian, uh, but Marcion or Martian, uh, Martian's scriptural canon. And so we talked about this last night. Um, and uh, for those of you who are interested in what I'm reading here, uh, you could look it up. I posted a link there last night to it, but you can look it up. It's called the fourth um, R-27-5. Um, it's a document that features Jason Badoon. Page four, uh, five, excuse me, says many modern Christians think of the New Testament as a book outside of history something that was just suddenly there, historians of, of Christianity uh, able to trace its gradual authorship and formation, nonetheless typical, typically find themselves describing the composition and collection of the New Testament writings as an anonymous process. I find it very interesting that, you know, for the most part, it, apart from Marcion, it is actually an anonymous process. And I find that it's so interesting that so many Christians actually attribute it to the Holy Spirit or attribute it to God. And this is what you find quite often in Christian circles. The things that are very vague or 
uh, ambiguous or um, not very well defined or the things that they don't even know, they always, they always attribute it to God. Um, and I, I think that's a very uh, poor practice. Uh, and so the New Testament writings and the New Testament canon was an anonymous process, spontaneous evolution accomplished by the, the nameless and faceless members of the ancient communities of faith. But when it comes to the origin of the New Testament, we know the name of the individual responsible. Uh, the circumstances of his work in compiling it, and even a date which bears some relation to uh, his monumentous decision to establish a textual foundation for the fledging Christian communities of his time, 144 CE, 144 AD. Marcion defined for the first time a biblical canon, that is, in the useful distinction between or made by Bruce Metzger, not just a, a collection of authoritative books, such as a circulating set of Pauline letters, but an authoritative collection of books which sets limits that clearly signaled a unique status for the texts included. Marcion clearly intended his first New Testament to serve as the touchstone of Christian belief and practice at the time when these were still quite fluid and conveyed in a primarily conveyed in a primarily oral environment. Okay, without going on too much here too far. Um, so you gotta you gotta think about this. You gotta think about this. If the New Testament now Marcion started the New Testament, according to many church historians and scholars, it was Marcion who started it, and he included only the Gospel of Luke, or a, kind, a form of the Gospel of Luke, and um, 10, I believe it was, 10 of Paul's epistles. Very interesting that out of those 10 of Paul, uh, Paul's epistles, um, they include seven of the what they would what we would call today the known or um, unquestionable authorship of Paul. Uh, like today in in uh, in our New Testaments we have thirteen Paul's epistles, seven of which scholars agree this is actually legit. It was written by Paul, but six of them, almost half. Almost half of Paul's epistles are disputed amongst many scholars as not being authentically of Paul, that they are forged after even sometimes some uh, of them believe and they believe they have evidence that it was forged in the name of Paul even after Paul's death. So I think it's very important for every believer to understand and to know that. That's not just going to the Bible blindly or just blindly accept uh, the canon of the Bible without knowing its history, uh, without knowing its background, without knowing what is proven and what is not so proven. Marcion being denounced as uh, some of the early church fathers say that, um, depending on which church father, uh, there are a few that say that he he was moved of the of the devil, he was possessed of the devil, or he was uh, uh, he acted by the devil. 
there's one that actually says, I believe it's Justin Martyr, if my memory serves me correctly, that says that this, this, the devil was actually in his mouth, that he, his doctrine and his preaching was of the devil. Um, we have Polycarp that called him the firstborn of Satan. Now, you got to think of this. If they're correct, Marcion being of so much, so demonic and so much of the devil, yet Marcion's the one who loved Paul so much. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? I mean, if Anton LaVey, let's say if Anton LaVey was still alive and he loved me and he, he considered himself to be a follower of me, everybody would jump down my throat on that one. Everybody would say, oh, look, that proves, that proves Christopher is demonic. Look at that. Anton LaVey you know, is a disciple of him. You know, Anton LaVey likes him. Anti LaVey, Anton LaVey accepts everything he says. That I would be instantly condemned. Why don't people condemn Paul because of, because of Marcion? Just a, just a question. Yeah, I'm ready. Hey, Trey, how's it going? Man, I'm making it out here trying to play with my child a little bit or our Jeep just died on her. Well, that's that's important. You play with your child. Everybody needs daddy time, that's for sure. Yeah. She's got a charged battery now, though. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk whenever you want, bro. I want to I hear what you got to say. I, I've caught a little bit of what you've been talking about on uh, TikTok, and I'm most definitely wanting to talk about it. Okay, so uh, let me just start with um, your question here. You said on TikTok, are you the guy that denies Paul? So you're asking me. Yeah, like I say, I seen a video and I think it was you. And then, so you asked me on TikTok if I deny Paul. And then you said on YouTube, I disagree about denying Paul. Um, okay, so you asked me and then it sounds like you think that i am denying paul what do you mean by that well i mean i'm asking you i don't i don't know because i only caught a brief little bit of it when i was scrolling through tiktok and i subbed because i wanted to watch more just if you could tell me i, I seen a little bit what you're talking about a minute ago where you said like some of his letters are widely discredited and some of them are like half and half i think uh if you could just basically tell me your belief on it, we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I don't believe in bibliolatry. I don't believe in, in in the idolatry of the Bible canon. That's really where it all stand. That's where it, that's where it all boils down to. Um, the whole issue on Paul stems from the Bible canon. Uh, so I don't believe in idolizing or making an idol out of a bible canon because i don't believe that that the bible canon was actually dictated by god we have no evidence in the bible or even in church history that the bible canon was dictated by god uh, and to assume so is just that it's just an assumption uh, and i spoke about it earlier and this is the truth i'm not you know i i want the truth i don't want um, to put doubt in anybody's mind if it's not the truth. I want the truth. Uh, and so I spoke about this earlier. When it comes to something that's very ambiguous or something that's very unknown, 
I find that a lot of Christians just attribute it to the Holy Spirit or attribute it to God. It's like, well, God did it. Well, where's your proof of that? And so that's really what it all boils down to. Because once we once we once we establish how the Bible canon came into being, then we can then we have a foundation to talk about Paul. Right. So basically, what you're saying, uh, you don't believe in idolatry of the book. Like I, I get what you're saying there. We don't want to discuss that. But which books are in the Bible? Hush, Riley. About which which books were put into the Bible by God is what you mean. No, uh, for, again, you're assuming you're saying which books were put into the Bible by God. That's to, that's like an invalid question because it there wasn't any books put into the Bible by God. I believe in how they did it in the Book of Acts. I believe in how the scriptures were viewed and read uh, in the time of Jesus. How how Jesus actually did it. That's what I believe in. How the twelve disciples actually did it. That's what I believe in. They didn't have a Bible. The Bible was the Bible itself is not biblical. Jesus never word said. Bi- sorry, the word Bible is not biblical. But as far as having scriptures placed in books, uh, that is very biblical uh, or or scriptural, as you would call. It. Even Ezra after the temple and all that was burnt, the Holy Spirit come through him and he wrote he rewrote the whole the whole Torah, the Tanakh. And including Job, uh, they say Job's the oldest book in Scripture, and 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 it is. Job is one of the three sons of Issachar that went down into Egypt uh, with Israel himself, or Jacob as they call him. Uh, and during that time of the beginning, that's when Job happened. So, and as many places it says, write this in a book. And like in Revelation, it says, write this in the book, send it to the seven churches. So the books are very biblical. And them being brought together as one is very biblical. Let me let me be more clear in what I mean. When I say the Bible is not biblical, I'm talking about the compilation of the 66 book or even 70, whatever the case is. Uh, I hear what you're saying, and I believe Second Esdras in, in regards to the, the Bible, uh, in regards to the books of Scripture. The books, plural. There's no. Oh, you're talking about. Okay, so you're saying the Bible isn't. So you're saying there's many books, but them being brought together in one book is not is what you mean. Being brought. Well, let me. Okay, let me be a little bit clearer. I I'm not. Okay, so there there are many books of Holy Scripture. I'm not saying there's not. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is is putting them together in one book, making them all equal or even sometimes actually most most christians i know of they put paul over all the other books but whatever the case is putting them all together in one collection that wasn't dictated by god that was dictated by uh well it it was actually an, an evolution from uh you know throughout church history we have a a various uh different canons all the way through church history, from the Marcionite canon to this, uh, the Codex Sinaiticus canon is completely different. The canon changed as time went on. Um, and so my, my point is that putting the books, putting all of these books together in one book and deifying it is not 
is not of God. They should be looked at as they are, as they really are. Each book is, it has its own and should maintain its own individuality. And each book has its own place in the hierarchy of scripture. Each book has its own place in, in culture, in, in time, with its own author, with its own flavor. Um, you know, like Esther doesn't read like Deuteronomy or, you know, Jeremiah doesn't read like, um, like Psalms. Each, each book has its own place and they should be kept in their own place, putting them all together in one. Now, I, I can't condemn anybody that has Bibles. I have, I have more Bibles than I have <laughs> everywhere I look and I have Bibles everywhere. But I'm saying, what I'm condemning is the deification to say, well, it's in the Bible. So it has to be 100% true. That's what I'm saying is wrong. Because okay. man, man is the one who formed the collection of books that we, that we now call the Bible, which was, again, it, there's no proof anywhere in history. There's no proof, no evidence whatsoever that God ever, ever spoke to any man, any prophet, priest, or king, or apostle, or disciple, nobody, and said, here, I'll give you a list of 66 books, put it all together in one book, and call it the Holy Bible. I believe that's pretty, that's almost sacrilegious. Once you get the idea of the hierarchy of Scripture, uh, it, is, it is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad. The, the only Pro, the only positive thing you get out of a Bible is the convenience of having those books all together in one and they're easy to carry around. That's the only convenience that you have. That's the only positive thing about it. There are so many negatives because you got so many Christians saying, well, it's in the Bible. Therefore, it's got to be, you know, it's, you know, God accepts it because it's in the Bible. Well, <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I, Man made the Bible, you know, and so it's it's the deification or idolatry of the 66 books that I am against. Not to say that it doesn't have the word of God in it. Nope, don't get me wrong. Not to say that those 66 books don't contain some holy scripture. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, historically speaking, there is no evidence, no record, not even any false prophet. Can you hear not me? Not even... Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Trey, can you hear me? Okay. So we got some technical difficulties. I mean, just we'll just get right to the right to the issue, right to the root. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it's all about, folks. I mean, it's all about the Bible canon, and what Christians. They, there's so many Christians that just assume that the Bible canon is of God, but it's not. Hello, Trey. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I got a phone call and it just killed everything. Oh, okay, no problem. I couldn't hear you. I don't know if you could hear me, but it just it killed everything. But uh, yeah. if, if I can address something, when you was talking about the books being compiled together, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. If uh, myself personally can't find one thing wrong with it, and as far as as far as saying God didn't dictate it, or Yahuwah didn't dictate it, or Yahusha, 
or the Holy Spirit in here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, just as people in assembly or church, it could be the same as, you know, just the books. I got no issue with it being compiled together. As far as having different authors, uh, you know, you can tell by the writing books. Like, say, say when Daniel was brought into the Babylon, Babylonian captivity, all right, and then in the New Testament, you, you're dealing with Greek and Latin and Hebrew because all three languages are written on the cross or stake, the tree, if you will. Uh, so all, language, <clears throat> all languages could see it. You, the reason why people become so Hebrew that they're not Hebrew at all, say like the New Testament is written in Yahuwah's tongue. Uh, he defines words throughout the scriptures. You can, like Israel, Israel in Genesis, it says, for you have power with God and men. Uh, given the definition of El, then Psalms 82, I stand in the congregation of the month. Well, anyway, that's, uh, you can see in these writings at the time period that what Yahuwah is trying to do is bring them out of these cultures that they've been captive to. And that's why these different writings are, are they seem different, but Yahuwah speaks in the same tongue all the way through. Like I say, he defines words. And this is what Paul talks about. I think it's in Colossians. I could be wrong. Where he talks about prophesying. And even Yahushua, uh, when he was talking to the Pharisees, said, if you was Abraham's seed, you would understand my speech. It's not that he was speaking in Greek or, or Hebrew or Latin or whatever language. It's, it's the way Yahuwah speaks with words that he gives definitions to. And he does it through all out the scriptures. All throughout it that he defines words. So I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't see where there's a problem with this. Yeah. So you said a whole lot there. I, I don't know if I can address everything that you said. Um, however, pardon me. I said I understand. Yeah. So uh, okay. So if you you be careful not to approach the Bible as it is as if it's one book that should not contradict it's that there's, there should be not be any contradictions in it whatsoever. If you approach it like that, you will not see any contradictions. You will see it as one that that's again, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That is, that's making, making an idol out of it. If, if you approach that, the Bible, as saying, hey, well, you know, it's it's one book and it's the Bible, therefore it should be all consistent. There's no, there's no inconsistencies or no contradictions in it. Then you know what? You are not you're not going to see it. I guarantee you. That's the truth. You're not going to see any contradictions or any inconsistencies whatsoever because you've already approached it that way. Uh, if you approach the Bible for what it really is, again, it's a man-made, man-dictated collection of books of various types from various authors and various cultures from men who are not perfect, uh, yet inspired, you could say, but not perfect, then you will see it more objectively. Now, you said that um, it has the same tone all the way through. Well, most Bible scholars, if not all of them, will dis would disagree with you. Even the people who were involved in the Bible canon itself disagrees with you. 
for example, uh, recently we just read through the book of Ecclesiastes, and you, you read about the history of the book of Ecclesiastes and how much, how how uh, how it got in the Bible. It barely made in made it in the Bible because of so many scholars saying, "Hey, this is not consistent with the way that." It talks in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's not consistent with the rest of the tone of Scripture. And so it barely made it in. A lot of uh, Jewish leaders and and scholars even objected to it being in there because of that. You got the book of Esther that doesn't mention the name of God once. I mean, that's not consistent with the rest. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the book of Esther is, 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 is an error. I'm just telling, I'm just saying it is not the same tone it's okay, not so. it's not consistent am i saying it's it's in error no am i saying that everything it says is wrong no am i saying it should be thrown out no but what i'm saying is it's not the same tone it's not consistent with the rest of scripture does it mean it's wrong does it mean there's any error in it no it's like a phone book you can say there's no errors in this phone book does that mean it's the word of god no. Is it inerrant? Well, yeah, probably. It's inerrant. Um, so I believe in looking at the scriptures objectively, looking at it for what, the, what it really says and not approaching it with any preconceived ideas or biases that have been uh, imposed upon us by Christian leaders and, uh, you know, church leaders, pastors or whoever um, throughout the ages. That's how I look at it. All right. So, so let me. All right. So, the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, let me address Esther first. All right. The book of Esther is the Holy Spirit book. Okay. Because Yahuwah says, in the end time, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. All right. And not only that, the book of Esther tells us exactly what day the two witnesses die. Like, exactly what day. It's pure, it's pure, and it gives the exact date that this happens <laughs> because all the people in the world uh, make marry and send gifts, which is the feast of pure. And not only that, it tells us where God comes from, the seeds of the Medes. Hama'an, or Haman, as people call him, is the man that comes down to try to kill everybody, and he was from the seeds of the Medes. Well, Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom to the churches, which... If you're going to understand Revelation, you got to read Ecclesiastes. I don't see what Bible scholars or who these people are saying these books don't fit or go in there. Like, what in those books uh, do they say this don't fit? It doesn't tone well. I don't understand why they would say that. Well, what? first of all, I, I don't understand. Like, you, you, you just said the book of Esther is Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit book. Because another book says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. I mean, although they're not talking about Esther, obviously. I mean, that's not talking about Esther at all. It's talking about the power of man and the might of man, especially in, in the acts of war and such. Uh, so I, I don't I don't understand how you can say you can quote not by might nor by spirit or no, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In, in regards to a completely different uh, context, complete, not even mentioning Esther at all, not even close. And you say, because of that verse, Esther is a Holy Spirit book. 
Um, yeah. So let me yeah. explain. Let me explain before we go. Uh, in order to know these books, or let's, uh, to understand judgment, the evil man cannot understand judgment because he don't seek Yahuwah. Now, the book of Esther is a book full of judgments that you are supposed to know. That you're supposed to know Deuteronomy, Exodus, and Numbers and Judges. You're supposed to know these things. And the judgments of Yahuwah is placed in that book, recompensing the evil man with his own devices, which he does in the very end. I mean, and all of that, you got this. Esther is during the time of King Ahasuerus, which is one of the four kings of the Persians in Daniel, which is during the time of Daniel. And then Daniel's fulfill starts fulfilling in the book of Nehemiah, and it's also Ezra. All these books are together. Scripture calls them the books of the kings of the Persians and the Medes. And it's also in first, it's in Kings and Chronicles of these things too. The books of Kings is the books of the kings of Judah. And the book of Chronicles is the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. The, you what know, does that the have two to do with, with Esther? Because it's in those, it's in those that time period of the seventy-year Babylonian captivity, in which Yahuwah judges that nation, in which He sent them captivity to. Belshazzar was judged just as Yahuwah prophesied, and uh, Esther being the spirit of the bride, it totally reveals the end time. It totally explains Revelation. I don't understand. So when how you, you said because the scriptures talk about the books of the kings and the Medes, that includes Esther, even though it doesn't say it at all, because it was written in the same time period. So well, does that mean that every book that was written in that time period is holy? Like, uh, I, what's your logic here? You got, I mean, you got, if you deny Esther, you got to deny Nehemiah. You got to deny the book of Daniel. You got the uh, Ezra's. You, you, uh, you're, you have a false dichotomy going on here. I don't see how. Do, do, you, do you believe that it is possible for man to write a book that is 100% correct uh, without error, without the Holy Spirit? No, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, no. But these were so, people. So, that the, so the phone book. So the phone book. The phone book was written by the Holy Spirit. Is that in that logic? I, I never. I never said it. Why are we talking about the phone book? Because I asked you a question. Do you believe it's possible for man to write a book that's inerrant without the Holy Spirit? And you said no. You have to have the Holy Spirit to, for it to be inerrant. Oh, you mean okay? As far as scripture wise, they have to have the Holy Spirit. If you want to say the phone book's one hundred percent correct, then. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a phone book. See, again, this proves what I'm talking about. Because it's in the Bible, you deify it. Because it's in the Bible, you uh, look at it as if right. it's it, it has to be a Holy Spirit because it's in the Bible. Says so who? I need an example of what you're saying is wrong. If Show me what you're saying doesn't belong there and why. Uh, it, it's an incorrect question because it's like, I'm just saying that the Bible itself, it should not, you should not take a canon and 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 deify it and make an idol out of it, saying every every book that's in this canon is a hundred percent inerrant and it is a hundred percent according to the Holy Spirit. Like well, where do I'm you get that from? From the book itself, it, it complements one another, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It all complements each other, and Scripture blankly uh, says that these were that these were holy men 
and the scriptures were written by the hands of the holy prophets that the people that the people that wrote them was full of the holy spirit and it's all in the new testament written in the new testament about this i, I mean these are well-renowned scriptures i'm talking about and when you say i give you an incorrect question that means you can't answer the question i'm giving you there's no such thing because it's got, it's got a false way. premise you, you, you're no. coming at it from a false you know presupposition you come from you, you ask a question like it's like me asking you you know so you know why are we living on mars like it it's an incorrect question because we're not Okay, I can't. You can't answer that question other than saying it, we're not, and so I can't answer your question without saying it's not true. It's not correct. No, what I asked you is, and I'll ask you again. You say these books don't necessarily have, they don't tone well with each other, and that we shouldn't. I'm not deifying it. I'm saying they belong there because they're written by the prophets with the Holy Spirit in them, and I'm asking you why don't they tone well? Why don't they belong there? And you say, I don't know. Or it's an incorrect question because I can't answer it. Therefore, I say, I don't know. I mean, I need an answer. Uh, my <laughs> answer is the Bible, the whole concept of the Bible canon is not in accordance with the will of God. So why would you even try to ask, ask me what, right, what, what so should be in there, what should, be, should not be in there? I don't is, think what anything is, should be deified as holy Bible I mean, it should be looked at again. Let me go back to what I just said. It should be viewed and and kept and looked at exactly the way Jesus and the disciples did. Each book was kept separate for the most part. I mean, generally, there were some books that were together, you know, um, but for the most part, the, the scrolls were all kept separate. We got the scroll of Jeremiah over here, the scroll of Isaiah over here. We have the Torah over here. They were all kept separate. Jesus never said, oh, hey, why don't you guys put all this together together in one book and call it the Holy Bible? And we'll just kind of deify it and say everything in within these two covers, between these two covers is Holy Spirit and everything is inerrant. Why didn't he say that? Why didn't he why didn't he say that? Okay, so uh, okay, I see where you're going now. So you're saying them being put together and Jesus not saying that these books should be put together means it's not God driven. It's, it's uh, obviously of man. We don't even have someone claiming falsely to hear from God that God gave them a, a list of books. Not even a false prophet would make such a claim, but you believe it. That's that the God truth. Like, and another, another fact is this. Just because someone is moved by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean everything they say or write is without error. Okay, so where is the error? Can you give me an example uh, of the errors? There. <laughs> where do you want to start? There's more that you can shake a stick at, okay? I mean, within the New Testament error. alone, within the New Testament alone, there are okay. uh, over 5,000, probably close, well, they say 5,700, almost 6,000 manuscripts that we have of the, of the, of the New Testament alone. Within those manuscripts, there are hundreds of thousands of variants, which means errors. Hundreds of thousands. This is a fact. Okay, all all knowledgeable scholars know this. Even way back, like hundreds of years ago, um, when they put together the New Testament in Greek, they only had a hundred manuscripts. Only a hundred. 
And the uh, the publisher found that there was 30,000 differences, differences in the New Testament alone. And that's only when they had 100 manuscripts. Now we have almost 6,000, okay? So we got to stop with the assumptions, I believe. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do, but I believe we got to stop with the assumptions because this is the foundation of much atheism today. When we have Christians that deny reality for the sake of their own dearly held and cherished beliefs and their dearly held and cherished Bible, we got to stop doing this because right. it just it, it just fuels the fires of atheism. That's what it right. does. And Let we, me address and like I, 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 let, me, let me just come back to what you said. I'll speak to what you said before. Okay. When we have a man who is moved by the Holy Spirit, does that mean that that man is inerrant, that everything he says and does is perfect? Hold on. So that, that's it. I can answer that question. All right. So being moved is is nothing less than being bridled as a horse being led to pasture. There's a difference between being moved, which is being led or being bridled, carried from one place to another as a man bridles a horse and carries him to an open field. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a vessel full of water. So there's a difference between being bridled or being moved or being filled with the Holy Ghost. A, a, there's no doubt there's been people moved by the Holy Spirit that he has got them to do things, you know, righteously, but they continue on doing what they're doing afterwards. That's a difference from from them and the servants of, Yehu, of Yehusha. It's Those incorrect. Are, Your assumptions are obviously incorrect. So, no, no, no. Like no, I, I always, I always say this. Fire. Okay, so what's your talking fire? Did any one of those, any of those 120 princes, did, is there any evidence that they sinned ever again after that? Let, let, let me first deal with the first thing you said. I mean, you're jumping from one thing to the next here. You're talking about if a, if a, if a man is inspired, it's like being bridled to yep. pasture. That is an incorrect way of looking at it. Being inspired by the Spirit means to be moved by the Spirit. It's like, here, like as I always show, I got a, I got a, I got a guitar right here. I've been playing guitar for decades, and a lot of people have inspired me to write music. I have a lot of my, a lot of my songs have been inspired by a lot of people in my life. And in, in fact, you know, so um, does that mean that 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 person actually bridles me and and forces me to write certain words? No. The, the conception that you have about being inspired or moved is uh, is is incorrect inspired when, when if Trey if you inspire me to write a song does that mean you actually bridle me and you make me to write your words no it just means that you move spirit. me it just means that you move me to write a song whatever it is so I it can be inspired of you okay but th that doesn't mean that you make a robot of me, okay? There are potentially millions or maybe even billions of people on earth that are inspired of the Holy Spirit. They are moved by the Holy Spirit. Does that, that mean everything they feel. write is, is, of, uh, uh, is of God? No. Does that mean everything they write is inerrant? No. 
They are men, they are women, they are humans, just like you and I. And so God can move them. God can inspire them. Absolutely. Does God inspire people today? Oh, yes. I believe God inspired me to write many, many songs. Does that mean that the songs that I write is word of God, de facto, you know, inerrant? You'd be far-fetched to say that. And that's the way it is with, with a lot of the New Testament or the Bible authors as well. Does that mean now? Does that mean that what they write is is not inerrant? No. It, what I'm saying is, inspiration of the Spirit doesn't prove or disprove inerrancy. All right. So, so to address a couple of things you were talking about, because you went on for a little while there. All right. So, there's multiple multiple Bibles, right? There's no doubt that, and the issue there is copyright. It's, it's a money-making scheme, and they can't they can't copyright one Bible to another, so they change things and they add things, which brings curses to the people that did it and the people that believe it. Now, uh, I used the King James Version, and I left it and went to the Hallelujah Scriptures, and I left the Hallelujah Scriptures because they changed a lot and made everything Hebrew. Now, in the New Testament, during the time of Yahushua or Jesus, I got no issue with the name. Uh, I know a lot of Israelites do, but I don't. Uh, during the time of him, they was dealing with Greek people, Latin people, Hebrew people, all that speaking different languages with different names. You learn in Daniel that when they go in captivity, the people that go in captivity are renamed by the gods of, of that nation. So like Babylon renamed several people. And to give you an example, Daniel was renamed Beltes Hazar, or like people love to say, Belteshazzar, but he was named after uh, Nebuchadnezzar's god, which was no doubt about it, Taurus, because uh, it says in Judges or Numbers that the entire world worships the stars, that Yahuwah divided amongst the nations, and don't do that. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar's worshiping the bull in heaven, and he says, I'll rename you Belteshazzar, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, which is the spirits of the seven holy angels. It says so in Psalms that he maketh his angels spirits, ministers of a flame of fire. So, And we learn that in Daniel that Gabriel comes and touches Daniel on the lips and gives him understanding. So Gabriel is the angel, the holy angel, and the spirit of Gabriel is the spirit of understanding. All right? So we learned that these people were renamed when they went into captivity. So when Greek come in and destroyed everything, people were renamed. Well, the Hallelujah Scriptures, the Sefer, and all that, and all these Hebrew people have gone so far Hebrew that they are no longer Hebrew, and they changed the names that were in Greek, Greek naming people, because they were named after Greek people, uh, and they changed all that. So even even the Hallelujah, the Sefer, and the Isarna, all those things, they've done that. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to talk contradictions uh, with Scripture or, or a collection of books that have contradictions. Okay, it looks like we lost Trey again. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. There you are. You're back. Yep, you just lost him again. Um, 
I mean, for those of you who have been following me for a while, you realize, uh, I mean, we talk about this and we prove it very, very clearly over and over again. Okay, Trey. Like somebody called me again, man. So what <laughs> I want to say, I used the King James. People have went and changed the names and all kind of stuff to make it all absolute Hebrew. You even got Israelites. I, I There are Israelites who are black, and then you have black Hebrew Israelites that think they're Israelites but have gone so far Hebrew. Uh, there we go. We lost him again. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. Sorry. If this happens again, I'll catch you another time. All right. I am sorry about that. Uh, but if you want to talk contradictions, tell me a contradiction that I can go see and use the one, the scriptures that I read. And let's see if we can't actually address that issue that they say is contradictions. I need an example of one, like for real. It's all over the place. It's, well, I me mean, every, every night, uh, every night we talk about it. Okay. Every night. What, okay. So what I'll do here is I will, let me just say this. Um, go to my if you go to my um, YouTube channel and look up a video by the name of, okay, there's lots in there, okay? Uh, evidence, Bible manuscripts were corrupted. Now, let me just, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen here to okay. share, to share, okay? And I mean, we could talk for, from now until, until judgment day on the uh on the uh contradictions but this this is um yeah let me just show you okay so this is from this is a video that's on my uh youtube channel evidence bible manuscripts were corrupted i had a brother by the name of onia come on and he shared a lot of the things that he found now this is this is um just a very uh, what would you call it? Um, I mean, here is just as a sample of 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 all the different uh, things. Like it's it's everywhere. Um, What's the example? <laughs> I well, see it, was, but I don't see no. What do you? What part of that you got sharing is the contradiction? Okay. Um, can anybody hear that? I can't. If you can hear it, just just tell us what he's saying, and we'll address it. Okay, so he's going through um, an example, for example, in in the book of Ezra here, of all the different like if you if you see the um, the lines here, there's like one, two, three, four, five lines, and he's comparing the different manuscripts. Okay, so for example, the one you see right in the center of the screen, you have. Um, 2056 versus 2606 versus 2067. I mean, it's just all over the place. And I would encourage you to listen to this whole video. And this is just an example of it. I mean, there all right, are so 
That's the numbering of men coming out of the Babylonian captivity during the time of Daniel after the 70th year when Cyrus set forth the decree. They're going back to the going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. Those were priests that were set in ordinance, right? That's what that is. Second uh, Ezra's where they're coming back. All right, so what y'all don't know is how to number men, which is in Numbers 1. And there's several ways we can know exactly how many people were in the Exodus by this way. And if you'll bear with me but a moment, I will share wisdom with you, for it is written. This is wisdom in Revelation 13. All right, so uh, which also reveals to Revelation 1 in the book of Proverbs. Uh, search out wisdom as the silver and gold things, and wisdom will give you our hidden treasures which is hidden manna in revelation one this also goes to the church at pergamos where satan is sitting it's not some temple uh built by man's hands in pergamos it's actually the people that he's sitting in because satan has a, a, a spirit which is the antichrist spirit so if state satan steps in you you have the antichrist spirit which is denying yahushua by tongue or denying him by your hands and feet by your works which all of us do because there's none holy and even if there is a holy man that is the holy spirit dwelling in them it's not their righteousness but yahushua's righteousness because the spirit of yahushua yahushua is the holy city yahushuaalam or what they call jerusalem they named a city after him they named a city after him so what you do you go by the shekel of the sanctuary this is in numbers 1 exodus 38 acts 1 uh daniel Ezra's uh, Chronicles and Kings, it's all over the place. So what they do, they take the half shepherd, which is called a beaker. Uh, they go to their poles, which there's 12 poles. Each pole has a prince, which is a captain of the host. All right, so each pole or a scale where each man drops his half shekel, which is called a beaker. And what they do, they have to weigh that shekel to make sure it's not deceitful weight, which is illegal in Deuteronomy. If you can get caught with it, you're exiled. You are not allowed to have a deceitful weight. And this is what the Pharisees were doing to the widows and the orphans in the New Testament, uh, by the way. They had deceitful weights, and they were they were really oppressing them, and people don't know this. But anyway, so all 12 tribes have a poll. Just like we go to vote, we, ha we go to the polls. And what they're doing, they cast their half shekel, they write their name by the number of names by their father's house, 20 years old and upward, able-bodied go to war. So a man 20 years old and upward puts his half shekel in the basket, writes his name, his age, and they number them, 603,550 men, all right? That's 603,550 okay. Just to, just, to, just to spare some of your, to spare some of this, um, do you think I'm actually showing you a contradiction between two scriptures? Well, what are you trying to show me? See, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Apparently, I'm not, I'm, I'm not showing you the contradiction between two scriptures. You, you're going off on something that I'm not talking about at no. all. Not no, at actually all. Actually, you are because you just showed me scriptures <laughs> about where the no. numbers. Are and you don't know how to number men. No, I, I, what you what you what you obviously don't see. I'm showing you the differences between manuscripts on the exact same verse, not two different. I know what you think. I what you're thinking is I'm showing you something like Numbers and Chronicles versus Numbers and Kings or something like that. I know what you're. you're I know what you're talking about. Wow. And you you can explain away anything. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. People can do that. If, if you come to the table with the preconceived idea that because it's in the Bible, again, there's that bibliolatry there, because it's in the Bible, there can't be any contradictions. You're not going to find any, and you will sure. go to great lengths to make it sound like there aren't. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not talking about contradictions between two different manuscripts. You're showing or, me or with between two different um, uh, scriptures. Saying? Okay, I'm not talking I about mean, contradictions I mean, like that. I'm talking man. about... Okay, uh, I'm talking about contradictions in the same manuscript, the same verse, excuse me, not the same manuscript, the same verse, the same chapter, the same book, but different manuscripts. That's what I'm talking about. And so your explanation has nothing to do with what I'm showing you, nothing at all. All right, so what you're saying, when you say different manuscripts, you're talking about different Bibles. Like, this Bible has a certain number, this Bible has another number, this Bible has another number, this Bible has another Not necessarily. I mean, you've got different manuscripts. Like, for example, what is what does it say in the Dead Sea Scrolls on this particular book, chapter, and verse? What does it say, um, what does it say in, the, uh, in the Greek? on this book, chapter, and verse. That's exactly what I'm showing you. What does it say, you know, uh, in the Masoretic text, in the ancient Hebrew, and this same book, chapter, and verse? And they're so different. They're all different. All right. So, so again, it's not about trying, because what you're trying to do, and in, in, in your, it does, I don't buy it, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, well, the reason why this particular book, chapter, and verse is different from this other book, chapter, and verse is, and you're going on about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the same exact verse. All right. So, from different as goes, manuscripts. As far as that goes, I can't, of course, the different Bibles, we've already addressed that in different manuscripts. It's got copyright reasons. So when something's, uh, they see a Dead Sea Scroll and they come out to, 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 you know, put it out today's time, they can't use so much from another Bible. So like if the King James did the Dead Sea Scrolls and then the NIV comes up behind it wanting to do the Dead Sea Scrolls, if it's anything like the King James, they can't do it because it's copyrighted. They won't make no money. That's what I'm t- I addressed that earlier. But if you want to take, like, the, use the King James itself, because I've heard all these so-called contradictions, and the people don't have wisdom. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how to number men. They don't know how to weigh men. They don't know what the bath and the hen is. They don't know what a manet is. They don't know what a big is, what a shekel is. They don't know how to do any of that because they don't know. So these so-called contradictions that I hear atheists and other people use that's in this King James Version Bible, they don't know because they don't have wisdom. They hadn't seeked out wisdom as silver and gold. They they just don't know what they're talking about. And when I come to address them, they want to stop me and say, oh, you're wrong. But I don't get my chance to to fulfill what I need to say. So therefore, pick one. If you want to pick King James and you want to go in there for contradictions, let's do that. Of course, there's contradictions through all other Bibles because there's copyright laws and it's about money. The people that do that don't care about you wanting to seek out Yahuwah. They care about making money off their book. It's got nothing to do with copyright laws. The the Dead Sea Scrolls, you can see pictures of the actual scroll. Do you think that somehow... Somehow, you know that the 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 um, uh, the Essenes copyrighted the Dead Sea Scrolls like th- two three hundred A.D. or B.C. It's ridiculous what you're saying. There's no, got I'm nothing not- to do with copyright. In the in the ancient Greek Septuagint, in the ancient Greek manuscripts, have nothing to do with copyright either. 
I mean, there's pictures and we have evidence of that. What you're saying, I mean, please, you make your... You make yourself look, you don't want to look like that. Don't, don't bend. You're bending over backwards for your bibliolatry. If you want to see, now, if you want to talk about different, um, uh, for example, different contradictions, I, I gave you one, but you you didn't understand at all what I was talking about. But here's one when it comes to talking about two different manuscripts. Okay. I mean, no, excuse me, two different parts of the Bible, the same Bible, okay? Now, I know you can, I'm sure you have it all explained away. The problem is, is it plausible what you're saying? Because you you can explain anything away. You can say whatever you want, but <laughs> who's going to buy it? I mean, is it plausible? Is it reasonable? Like, I can fly from New York to Los Angeles and say, I walked that far. And you would say, oh no, you flew. Oh no, I walked. I, I, I can I can reconcile it because I walked to the plane and then I walked to my seat and then I walked off the plane. So I walked from New York to Los Angeles. You can, you can, you can reconcile anything, but you make a fool of yourself in doing so. Be honest. Look at it for what it really says. Don't don't bend over backwards and do theological hermeneutical gymnastics to try to make it look like it, it it's 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 compatible when it's not. It's simply it's obviously not. And when what you're doing is you are actually fueling the fires of those who disbelieve because they look at you and like they say, "Well, obviously this guy is just." He's doing everything he possibly can to explain it away, the obvious, okay? Now, here's one. Now, I know, I I, I don't doubt you have an explanation for this too. But to those of you, to those who are watching this, who are honest and you don't approach the Bible with any kind of bibliology, with any kind of preconceived bibliology, trying to to, uh, reconcile it because it has to be, you know, perfectly in tune because it's in the Bible. Again, that's bibliolatry. That's idolatry condemned of God. What you're doing is condemned of God. But let me show you something. This is something else. Um, This is in Mark chapter 2. And again, you can... can, you can twist and turn and do whatever you want, and and please don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Just look at it and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, yeah, you know what? Mark was wrong. Mark, by the way, Mark was wrong on many things, but this is one. Mark chapter two, verse twenty-three. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The, the Pharisees said to him, "Look, why?" Are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is un, which is which is lawful only for the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Now, in the days of Abiathar, if you actually go back and 
And this is what a lot of most Christians don't do because of their bibliology. If they actually go back and compare it with with the actual scripture that's being referenced, 1 Samuel chapter 21, it's not in the days of Abiathar. It's in the days of Ahimelech, the high priest. It's not in the days of Abiathar, the high priest. So this is wrong. It's a contradiction. Sorry about your bibliolatry. It's a contradiction. Is that okay to me? Does that mean I throw out the book of Mark? No. It just means, hey, either Mark or one of the scribes or one of the people who, who copied Mark somewhere down the line got it wrong, like they got many things wrong. You asked me to show one. I showed you two. I got news for you. There are thousands of contradictions. And you can. Again, you're approaching, you're approaching the Bible with preconceived idea that it has to be without contradiction because it's the Bible. It's like God. It, it's, it, it, it has to be perfect. No, it doesn't. Second Samuel no, what? No, it doesn't. I want to read I'm going to read you something. Second Samuel what? First Samuel 21. First Samuel 21. All right. Cuz you do realize that uh there's several high priests. Well, there's high priests in his days. You don't know oh, how to go my, that my, oh, either my. and you don't know that there's uh, these people have two names. So first Samuel. No, uh, Abiathar. You don't know what you're talking about. Abiathar comes after the days of uh, Ahimelech. Abiathar is after Ahimelech. In First Samuel 21, it's very, very plain. It's very clear. That happened in the days of Ahimelech, the high priest. Okay. Again, you are just proving what I've been saying all along. You're bending over backwards to make it happen. Listen, the Bible is a man-made constructed collection of books and writings and it doesn't have to be without contradiction if you try to make it look like it has to be without contradiction you are engaging in idolatry plain and simple plain and simple it's idolatry now I, I don't know how much we how much further we can go because of of your uh, the position you're taking you you block you block the truth out you block you deny reality so I don't know how much more we can talk about this because I mean you keep on denying it um, what what more can I say I, what I've been saying all along has been proven people will bend over backwards to try to make it happen they'll try to explain it away when they'll try to make it say something it does not say well it says this but it doesn't really mean that it means oh but they try to interject something in the in the in the in the story no don't interject into it don't make it say something it does not say look at the the reality for what it really is it is a contradiction you can believe it's not all you want all you want you can say Oh no, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but you can come up with some extravagant out of the world theories and, and explanations of why it isn't. But, and <laughs> I have not seen, you've got thousands more to go, Trey. You've got thousands more of clear contradictions to oh, go. What, what, I, what, I would, what I would highly recommend is that you actually step back don't approach it with preconceived ideas. Step back and say, hey, 
Let me see if there is any contradictions in the Bible. Let me see if there is. What what chapter instead of, Mark, instead of instead of approaching it saying, "Hey, I know there's not, and I'm going to prove there's not just because there's not because it's the Bible." Because it's the Bible, there can't be. Well, again, I, I said right at the very beginning, if you approach it like that, you're not going to see it. You you are willfully ignorant and blind. You're blinding yourself to it because you've already approached, you've already come to the table with that with that preconceived idea. What chapter? And that's Mark, that's the it? truth. What chapter? Mark was it? Mark chapter two, verses First Samuel chapter twenty one. Mark chapter two. Let's see. Just bear with me. I'm listening to you. There are many contradictions. There are many, many contradictions. I disagree, if, bro. If, if you, what's that? I disagree. Which Bible? Yeah, I see. See, you're not approaching this honestly. You disagree right from the very from? beginning. You disagree right from the very beginning without even hearing, without even studying it, without even looking at it, without even seeing the evidence. You already disagree, which, again, proves my point. You are coming at this already with your mind made up. I don't know. We can't really go anywhere. You, you're already, you already have your mind made up. What more can I say? If you are honest, if you're really honest, I would highly recommend you go to that video that I referenced, proof, evidence that there's uh, uh, contradictions in the Bible on my YouTube channel. Check it out. If you're honest, it doesn't sound like you're honest, but if you, if, you, if you actually get to the place where you say, hey, I admit, and it's okay, Trey, it's okay to admit there's contradictions in the Bible. It's okay. You're, it's not going to destroy your faith, okay? Unless, well, yeah, it will destroy your faith in, in bibliolatry. It will destroy your idol, but it should go anyway. You should put your faith in God, not in man who, who compiled the Bible. That's the problem. And I'm glad we got to the root of this right from the very beginning because, I mean, you want to talk about Paul? It's not about Paul. It's about bibliolatry. Once you get to the point where you realize, hey, you know what? Yeah, God never really ever commanded anybody or instructed anybody, hey, here's a list of 66 books, put these all together in one book and call it the Holy Bible and, and deify it as perfect. Never. All right, so let me let me address a few things. Which, I need to know which Bible you just read that from. It doesn't right. matter which Bible. It doesn't matter. I'd like to read the same one so we can address that, but <laughs> you, won't, you won't tell me. Um, okay, the Bible, the Bible that I read that from, well, was the NIV. Okay, well, let's not use the NIV no more. Let's use the King James, please. Oh my, oh my, you're desperate, aren't you? I'll show not you. I'll show you actually all the Bibles, all the Bibles compared. Desperate, Trey, desperate man. What's the matter with you, bud? Mark chapter two. I'll show you a comparison of all the Bibles, and we we will see how different it is. Oh, it doesn't say Abiathar in any of the other Bibles. It says Abiathar because it's from uh, because it's from the NIV. Okay, okay. Let me, let me just no. let me let me just show you. Here we are, right here. Um, uh, excuse me. Let me just. I have the wrong tab open there. Um, here we are. 
This is the, the passage in, in question, Mark chapter 2, verse 26. The KJV says, Abiathar. The NKJV says, Abiathar. The L NLT says, Abiathar. The NIV says, Abiathar. The ESV says, Abiathar. The CSB says, Abiathar. The RV, v, RVR says, Abiathar. The NASB says, Abiathar. Your, your, your desperate, your desperate, desperate uh, excuse, well, that's from the NIV, therefore, you know, that's why it's wrong, doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water. I'm sorry, Trey, man. You need to repent of your biology. Get on the track. I guarantee you, your faith will explode because your faith, your faith will go deeper than you've ever known it before because you will stop denying reality and your faith will not be on frivolous man-made uh, doctrines and your faith will actually be, be on the reality of of what it actually says okay so again i don't know how far how much further i can go here because um um i mean you obviously you you admitted that you have uh you've you've already made up your mind before you even saw the evidence uh that there's no contradictions in spite of the fact that there is you've already made up your mind um and uh and you're going to great lengths to try to say that it's because of a bible it's because of a translation no it's not it's in every translation in every uh greek and hebrew manuscript as well as far as i know okay so again um i don't know how far we can go with this trevor right. i mean trey excuse me what it was first samuel what first samuel chapter 21. 21. Um, right. yeah i'm gonna all right, so who was Abimelech to David? <laughs> Listen, Trevor, or Trey, excuse me. Okay, it says very clearly, it says very clearly in 1 Samuel 21, Abimelech, Ahimelech, excuse me, was the, the priest in question. Um, Mark says it was Abiathar. There is a contradiction. I don't think we're going to get anywhere talking like this. Trey, priest, um, not the high priest. There's a difference. Oh, man. Okay. Obviously. Uh, okay. Okay. Chief, brother. Then okay. you have a priest from the sons of Levi. Okay. Trey, Trey, that. we're not getting anywhere. We're not getting anywhere. You're obviously denying reality. Um, I, I'm not going to put my viewers through any more of this nonsense. Thank you again for coming on, Trey. Blessings. And I pray that God opens your eyes to the truth and stop your bibliolatry please right. thank you very much all right so let's see what else we have here in the live chat great deception says shabbat shalom everyone shabbat shalom the great deception good to see you psalm 94 says not everyone understands or even knows about these other manuscripts we have to remember this the, the problem is it's not that they don't know about it. It's that they're off, they're they're already pre they, they they're already closed off to it. They're not willing to look at it. Like I wouldn't doubt. I mean, if Trey actually goes to that video that I recommended he goes to, if he actually goes there and looks at and you know has a good 
critical look at all of the different uh, manuscript variations and corruptions and contradictions and effectively without without coming up with some real crazy ex explanation effectively proves it wrong then god bless him i don't think it seems like he, he probably won't because he's already made up his mind he's he's closed his mind off to this already um so it's not really about whether people know about the other manuscripts it's whether or not that they're even willing to look at it and this is the problem a lot of christians they they have already closed their mind up and they're not even willing to look at the evidence and that is what makes them that is what really does uh, a lot of harm if they're not willing to look at the evidence um they're not uh they're not going to see the truth Bruno says, God, Bruno, the beloved brother Bruno is back again, says God is the author of the Bible. Um, again, this is what man says. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. The closest you can get to it is Paul, who says that holy men of God were moved or inspired of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that earlier. That doesn't mean that they're uh, the robots. I mean, God, if he wanted to, he could have he could have wrote a, the Bible himself and dropped it out of heaven. He could have sent an angel to write the Bible, and and get and and given it to man. He didn't do he didn't do that at all. God did not write the Bible with his own hand, like he wrote uh, he wrote the Ten Commandments with his own hand in the days of Moses. That's the only thing he wrote that was given to man, and then it was smashed after that. Not long after that. But God could have written the Bible by his own hand, but he didn't. He chose not to, and not for a good reason. He could have sent an angel to write the Bible and it to be perfect, but he didn't, and for a good reason. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, Jesus could have written the Bible. He could have, he could have wrote a book and put everything to rest, but he didn't, and he and for a good reason. Because God does not endorse or even condone, or even, God does not want people to worship a book. And God knows if he wrote the Bible, like he wrote the Ten Commandments, people would worship it, like how we see how many people do today. They worship, they worship, they literally worship the Bible as perfect when it's not. And God is not behind that. And it was God's providence, it was, it was God who ensured that the 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 words that he actually wrote with his own finger on the on the uh on the tablets of stone in Moses day was smashed he ensured it was smashed i believe that was god's plan to have those words to have those tablets smashed you notice god did not oppose moses for smashing it God didn't say, oh, Moses, I'm going to punish you for smashing the tablets that I wrote. No, I believe it was God's will for them to be smashed. Why? Because if they weren't smashed, they would be worshipped. God is against bibliolatry. God uses fallible man. God uses man in all of his weaknesses and fallible fallibilities, if you want to call it that, in all of his errors to convey his will to us. But God is delighted in using 
men who do commit errors, who do write things that are not necessarily true and factual. God uses human beings. That is his will. So that in spite of the human weaknesses and in spite of the of the errors, God, God's grace still comes through. The whole idea that the Bible has got so many contradictions in it, in my, in my uh, point of view, makes it all the more believable. If you have a court case and you have five witnesses, or let's say four witnesses, we'll compare them with the four Gospels. If you have four witnesses, and every witness is verbatim just the same words as the other witness, if every witness testifies with the exact same words without any contradictions, their testimonies will most likely be thrown out because it's unreal. It, it's a sure sign of conspiracy. But if those witnesses contradict each other, it makes it even more, makes it even more real. It makes it even more believable because they're humans, because they haven't conspired with each other, because they're honest witnesses. In spite of their errors, in spite of the fact that some of the things they say is not true, it makes it even more believable. And that's the way it is with the scriptures. It makes it even more believable. Because as scholars, as Bible students, it's our job to, to study these scriptures and to find out where the errors come in. Where are the errors? Who, commit, who, uh, uh, who did this? Was it a scribe? You know, was it the Masoretes? Was it the people who translated the Septuagint that, caught, that, that made the error here? Once you do the investigation and you see where the error came in and what time it came in, then you know it makes it even more believable because it's even more real, because it's more human. And that's the way God wants it to be. So Bruno says, some of these men were Moses, King David, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God put his thoughts into the minds. Well, yeah, God puts his thoughts into the minds of many people. Right? He puts his thoughts. Every, every Christian today that really has the Holy Spirit, God puts his thoughts into their minds. Does that mean everything they write is true? In, inerrant? No. They can, they can make a lot of mistakes and still have God's thoughts in their minds. Fearfully Confident says, using King James only makes it faulty to begin with. I agree, absolutely. There's a, there, King James is actually probably one of the more faulty of all of the different uh, Bible translations. And when you got someone who was like a King James only person, Again, that is bibliolatry. They are idolizing a Bible translation, 
I don't think that anything should be idolized. We should worship and serve God and God alone. We should not idolize a Bible translation. We should not idolize a, a, a certain manuscript family. We should not idolize a book. We should not idolize a language because some people, they idolize, well, Hebrew because it, or they idolize Greek or they idolize another language, calling it God's language. I don't think that God wants us to idolize any language. We should not idolize anything. It's all idolatry. Bruno, our beloved brother Bruno says again, it, it is impossible for God to lie. I agree, declares the Bible. I agree. So how could his book be filled with glaring inconsistencies and significant discrepancies and still be called the word of God? How? Because it came through man. Because many of the earlier scribes who copied, keep in mind, for most of the history of the Bible, there, was, there were no photocopiers. There were no printing machines that printed the same copy every time. They were copied by fallible men. They were copied by scribes who always made mistakes. That's why they say there are approximately 400,000 variants, mistakes in just the New Testament alone. Just the New Testament alone. Remember what Jesus said about the scribes. He didn't have anything to, I don't think he had anything good to say about the scribes. Right? These are the Bible publishers of his day, if you want to put it that way. The ones who copied the scriptures. If the ones who copied the scriptures were so evil, does that tell you something? Could that be why there are so many different changes? Could it be? Hello? Could it be? Jesus did not say, oh, the scribes. They are inspired of God. Everything they do is perfect. On the contrary, he said the opposite. A lot of people like to harp on Pharisees, 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 Pharisees. How bad the Pharisees are and all this kind of thing, how hypocritical and all evil they are. But they never say scribes. But many of the times when Jesus was talking about Pharisees, he also said scribes. The scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes being the ones who give you the word of God. So-called word of God, the scriptures. So why would God, why would it be, why would it be filled with glaring inconsistencies and significant discrepancies? Because God doesn't want you to worship a book. God is God does not stand behind bibliolatry. He delights in working through fallible man. He delights in hiding things, as it says in Scripture. God hides things, and it's the glory of kings. It's the glory of God to hide things, and it's the glory of kings to search them out. The truth can be hidden in, in, in all of those inconsistencies and discrepancies. God enjoys it. It's the honor of kings and the honor of rulers and the honor of noble men to search it out.
Say, all right, let me let me dig through all these inconsistencies and see if I can find some truth here. And you will. You will find truth. Bruno says, by careful examination, seeming contradictions can, can be shown to have an honest solution. Now, that's true in some ways. And there are some people who say this is a contradiction when it's not. There are some people who say, you know, well, look at this as a contradiction here when it's not. And that's why I'm careful to point out whether what are contradictions and what are not contradictions. But to go as far as to say there are no contradictions in the Bible, again, that is idolatry. It is condemned of God. Bruno says, all too often people who claim that that the Bible contradicts itself have not made a thorough investigation themselves. Some people, yes. Other people have a no. Uh, Bruno, I don't really know you that much, but I would dare think perhaps, perhaps, some of the very well-educated Bible scholars in the world today that give their lives to studying these ancient manuscripts perhaps know a little bit more than you. Perhaps. I know you're close to perfect, Bruno, but hey, I'm sorry, but I think maybe somebody might know a little bit more than you. <laughs> Fearfully confident. No, King James only is a cult. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Alex says, I, I heard that they're getting ready to build the third temple. Yes, <clears throat> they've been trying, they've been working on it for uh, for decades. We have the Temple Institute in Israel that that's their main, that's their job. That's their, that's their project is to build the third temple. And keep in mind, you know, it talks about Jesus coming back and, and using that third temple. And yes, there will be animal sacrifices again. Yes, overseen by Yeshua, by the way. Kyle says, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Kyle, good to see you. One John, I know you directed this at Bruno, but I'll, I'll read it um, to Bruno. He said, he, he just showed this guy, that, and, and you are correct, incorrect. Uh, the Bible is not the inerrant word of God. God never said, never said it because God didn't create the Bible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when it, when, it, when I got someone that, that, that says, oh, there are no contradictions, like show me one contradiction. You can see, I'm, I'm like, there are so many thousands, I don't even know where to start. It's like, it's, it shocks me because it's like, I feel like, you know, I feel like a little boy in a, in a, in a huge candy, candy shop and someone comes to me and says, there's no such thing as candy. I'm like, what, what do you not see? What, where are you not looking? Um, take your blinders off. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. You know, I, I'm shocked when people say that. Trey, Trey says, my man muted me over and over. High priest is a different. You know why? Because you were very rude in speaking over the host who gave you a platform to, to come on here and spew a lot of nonsense, okay? 
very, very rude to say the least. Okay. I was quiet much through a lot of it. Sometimes I had, there's a few times I had to stop you. It's like, stop. You're not, you don't even know what I'm talking about. It was in, it's actually in, uh, by the way there, Trey, you didn't, I guess you didn't read the description right before uh, the link that you clicked on. It says participants, it says the edit, well, let me see. It says the etiquette, right? Etiquette is be respectful, right? Speaking over the host who gives you the platform is not respect is not respectful at all. Many, many times I'm speaking. If I came on your live stream, on your platform, and just speaking over you several times over, you're gonna do the same thing. You're gonna say, I'm, dis I'm disrespectful. I'm rude. I said on here, be respectful, no long-winded no long sermons. If this etiquette is not honored, we reserve the right to mute or boot you. It says right there. And yes, we reserve the right to do that. When I invite, when I allow anybody to come on, I expect some respect. A little bit of respect. I don't expect to have to be treated in a rude way. right there in the description Bruno says all word is inspired by God again it depends on how you how you understand the word inspired I could say it is too okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that okay so it's 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 inspired of God but the question is what do you mean by inspired I don't believe that God makes robots out of people okay he moves people in different ways and he works through their through their weaknesses and through their error through their you know their fallible um, writings he works through fallible man happy lamb says is called cognitive cognitive dissonance yeah absolutely One John said exactly, and when I try to show the differences between Paul and, and Jesus, where there are, there are actually, <laughs> Paul did contradict Jesus too, and and uh, this is this is what you get. It's a real mental issue, says one John. And I see Trey still going on here. Man, you can't get over it. Listen, bud, you got lots to deal with. If you don't just open your eyes and admit the truth, and it's okay. I guarantee you, I can tell you as a, as someone, I was just where you, I was where you are right now. I was really shaken when somebody would show me or say anything like the stuff I'm saying today. I was really shaken. I've had people say stuff to me and I, I did the same thing. I'm guilty of that too. But when you come to the, when you come to the point in your life, in your walk with God that you say, okay, God. I'm just going to trust you. And I'm just going to open my eyes and see re and, and see reality for what it really is. And trust God. I guarantee, guarantee 
your faith will skyrocket. Your faith will be stronger than ever. Mine is. Mine is. I'm not shaking like I used to be when it, with, with this kind of stuff. And there are thousands. Like I said, we can talk from now until Judgment Day on, on, on all the different uh, contradictions. But it's no use if you've already, if you're not honest, if you don't come with it, if you don't come with with an honest saying, you know what? I could be wrong. If you have this pride amongst in yourself saying, hey, um, I know I'm right. I know there's no contradictions and it doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to prove you wrong. If you come with that kind of arrogance and that kind of pride, there's, I can't help you. I can't help you. I mean, I come to the table like that, but I don't buy long-winded, extravagant, unreal explanations to these contradictions. It's just bad, bad arguments, bad critical thinking. And again, this is what fuels atheism today. It, it really is. Bruno's going on again still. Unlike other literary works, the Bible is not primarily the product of human effort. The writers allowed themselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. So some of the, again, some writers, more than others, there is a hierarchy. And it is a product of human effort. I mean, it's not like... God made a puppet out of me, okay? God attached <laughs> strings to me, and it's like not human effort at all. No, it, it does involve human effort, which means it involves it involves fallible man. And that's the reason why we have hundreds of thousands of variants. That's the reason why. And God allowed it. Yes, I believe even God orchestrated it. At least it's his will anyway, because he wants to show man that he's not behind bibliolatry. He doesn't want to set the stage up for the idol worship of a Bible canon or the Bible. Does he use the Bible? Sure he does. Does he speak through the individual, individual books of the Bible? Yes, he does. He speaks through them in different ways, you know, in various degrees. But God is a thousand percent against bibliolatry. Vida says, at Christopher, you are so right. Hallelujah. Worship Elohim, not the books. Thank you very much, Vida. I appreciate that. I'm glad we have some people that actually see. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to go too much on Bruno here because, again, we got another person who just is not open to it. If you're not open to it, you're not going to see it. I said that right from the very beginning with Trey. If you're not open, if you're not opening to it, like if you're not, if if you've already got your mindset, it's like I know everything. Like I know everything. I've seen all the evidence, and yet I know enough to say it's impossible that there's any contradictions in the Bible. If that's how you approach it. There's no hope for you. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. You're hopeless. You're hopeless. No use talking. If that's how you pronounce, if that's how you approach it, there's no use talking. 
I mean, you look at you look at Bible history, you study Bible canon. And if I if you do study Bible canon, uh, I highly recommend you don't go with just one particular viewpoint or one particular teacher on Bible canon. I, I, I actually did that myself. That's the reason why I say that, because um, there is, you know, there's a, a specific guy on on YouTube that he's um, he's one of the more prominent voices on Bible canon. But then again, a lot of his explanations just don't work. They, it doesn't hold water. A lot of it is ignoring the ignoring reality. Anthony says, Shalom, I heard someone tell me that Lilith was real and she was the first wife of Adam. How should I respond? Um, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, it's not, it, that this is something that's not in the book of Genesis, obviously. It's not in the Torah. Um, it's in extra biblical writings. I just wouldn't worry about that at all. It's like, because it, it has no bearing really on, on the major issues of the scripture. Um, I, I just wouldn't get into that. Obviously, like, yeah, I would. I just wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't even get into that. If someone told me that Lilith was the first wife of Adam, I just go, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's interesting you believe that, you know. So, you know, let's talk about something important. <laughs> excellent, excellent, uh, The Great Deception. Excellent Jeremiah chapter eight verse eight. By the way, by the way, there, Bruno and all the other bibliologists out there, this is the word of God. How can you say we are wise? For we have the law of the Lord. When actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely. What does that mean? That means people have changed the scriptures. Hello. It says that right in the scriptures that people have changed it. Excellent. Thank you for pointing that out, uh, The Great Deception. That's excellent. Jehovah Jesus, welcome and... Blessings, blessings. So Gabriel as well says, uh, um, Mistakes, I think that's a bit too far. I think it's a bit too far to say there are no mistakes in a, in, a, in a book that's written by men. Sure, they were moved by the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean it was perfect. There are lots of people who have the Holy Spirit. that they don't. It doesn't mean they're perfect. Uh, you'd say everybody who accepts Jesus as their Lord. A lot of people, actually a church I used to go to, I always taught, you know, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you pray the sinner's prayer, you have all of the Holy Spirit you need. Does that mean everything you say is perfect and everything you write is perfect? No. 
Can God use you? Sure he can. Can God speak through you? Yes, he can. And that's the way it is with the authors of the Bible as well. The Word of God doesn't have mistakes. Again, there are so many variations. of. I would like to learn from you what family of manuscripts is perfect. There are, what, five, six, seven different families of manuscripts? Depending on what book you go, you, re you read, I just uh, earlier pointed out um, a, a video that is on my channel uh, called um, Evidence, you know, Corruption of the Bible Manuscripts. On there, Onia makes a very good case that there are many, 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 many corruptions of the manuscripts. And again, that what you say, Gabriel, is actually against the word of God. Because again, it says in Jeremiah 8, 8, the lying pens of the scribes have handled it falsely. These, the scribes, these are the Bible publishers, so to speak. They are the ones who actually delivered the quote-unquote word of God to you. We have many, many different um, thousands of differences. You could say discrepancies in the manuscripts because of the scribes. They didn't have photocopiers or computers to copy. They copied it by hand. And a lot of these scribes, well, maybe they had a little bit too much to drink. I don't know, but they didn't copy it very well, some of these, and they changed a lot of things too. And that is, that's quite well known. Question for moves. Septuagint is probably my favorite Tanakh translation. Yes. If you notice, and this is another thing, if you notice, if you compare the manuscript, if you compare the Old Testament quotes of the of the of the excuse me, the New Testament quotes of the Old Testament, many times it's completely different. But, but you see, a lot of Christians, because of their blindness and their naivete, they just read the New Testament as if all of it, everything is correct. Everything's correct. But you look, you actually look into it. Like there's a lot of things that is, um, that wasn't quoted properly. You look at Hebrews chapter 10, quoting uh, Psalm 40, Psalm 40, verse 6. I, 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 um, for those of you who don't have the Septuagint and you believe you have the inerrant word of God, you compare, you compare, compare what I, what Hebrews chapter 10 says, quoting, um, Psalm 10 verse, or Psalm 40 verse six. It doesn't say the same. And we find that in many, if not most, by far most, almost all of the references from old from new testament to old testament is not quoted properly and a lot of things are completely different completely different you'll find that that, that the septuagint is actually more uh the new testament's more in line with the septuagint than it is with the mesoretic or the samaritan or the, the dead sea scrolls in 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 many areas not all but many gabriel um 
You can have one example of a New Testament mistake. Gabriel, I, I'm not going to be redundant and, and repeat the entire thing over again. We've ar we're already two hours in it. We already we already touched on this. Uh, I actually have other videos on my channel where I go into a lot more detail on the mistakes. Okay, you look it up. If you're really honest, again, these people, a lot of these people are, are not honest. And I'm not saying, Gabriel, that that's you, but a lot of people are not honest. They they approach it saying, there are no tests, there are no mistakes. And they already, as if they know everything, as if they've already seen all the evidence, as if they've already seen all the manuscripts, as if they've actually studied the, the Dead Sea Scrolls themselves, or the Samaritan Hebrew text themselves, or the Masoretic te Hebrew text themselves, and compared it with the Greek they haven't. They don't know. They are ignorant. They're ignorant. That's why they say such things. And so they come to the table with preconceived ideas, already have their mind made up, and they'll bend over backwards and they will, they will go crazy and say crazy things, explanations of ex explaining why, well, it's not really a contradiction. It's not really a mistake. Okay. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed at how many people actually, uh, the lengths that they go to, to deny reality. Elsha. Shalom, Elsha. Good to see you over there on TikTok. Um, you asked me a question. Again, I don't want to go into something that if, let me just say this. Elsha, um, wonderful Jewish brother over there. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, asked a question. Uh, says, show me where in the Jewish Bible that uh, the Messiah will will be died or will die and come back again. Yeah, you know what? Let me just say this. If it says it in there, if it if it says it in there, would you believe it? Or would you explain it away? If it says it. Question for Move says, uh, recently, right after I was starting to get over intrusive thoughts, new ones came, and this one seems harder. I'm confident it's not mine, but what it says is when you accept Christ, you become the, I don't want to say what I fear is, is the un unforgivable sin. Um. <sighs> Sorry to hear that you're going through that uh, question for move. Um, there are many different reasons that this kind of thing can be happening to you. I mean, a lot of times the enemy attacks us when we are in our weakest points. If you're tired, if you're hungry, if you're not, if you're not getting the proper nutrition, if you're in the wrong circumstance, if you're watching things you shouldn't be watching on TV or on the internet. Are you listening to different music or you have something in your home or you're just meditating or thinking about things you shouldn't be thinking on? Um, there are many different ways. So uh, I would just encourage you to put it aside, put those thoughts aside, do whatever you can to surround yourself with the, with good things. Um, and I said this before as well, to make sure your house is all cleaned out. Um, 
to make sure your environment is, you know, holy and, and um, set apart. Uh, make sure there's nothing in your home that would uh, that could be used of the enemy uh, to to invade your life, um, and just 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 meditate on the scriptures. Just just you know, don't let that distract you from from meditating on the scriptures, from praying, um, and just you know, do your, do your best to get your mind off of it, and it will go away. Just don't give it any. Um, don't give it any credibility. Gabriel says, but it is idolatry. Absolutely, 100% against God. It is idolatry. New Testament says all scripture is inspired. Paul says it, okay? Paul said, Paul told Timothy all scripture is inspired. Obviously, when he wrote his personal letter to Timothy, when he sat down and actually picked up a quill and he wrote his little personal letter to Timothy. He wasn't talking about his own letter. Um, he was talking about what was considered to be scripture in that day, which was the Tanakh. Now that leads us to another, another thing. And this is what we've been talking about. Now, again, I, I hate to repeat myself too much. We've already talked about this probably way more than people want to hear it. Um, but the, the, the term inspired, means God breathed or moved, okay? God moves people to do things all the time. That doesn't mean they do it perfectly. God inspires people to do things all the time. That doesn't mean they do it perfectly. It just means that God inspires them to do it. God can inspire me to write a song, as I always say. You know, I'm, I play the guitar and I sing and I wrote a lot of songs. God can inspire me to write a song. And I believe that God did inspire me to write songs. Does that mean that God... Like a puppet, I got strings attached and God made me into a robot and he made me write down every word. He took control of me. No, that means that I was just inspired of God. That's all. You can inspire me, Gabriel, to write a song. Does that mean that you actually control everything I do and, and you know I become possessed of Gabriel? No, it just means you move me to write a song. It's inspired of you. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be the perfect words that you would write. It's the words that I wrote inspired of you. Um, so again, let's let's look at this for what it really says. And by the way, the term scripture by definition in the original language simply means writings. It doesn't necessarily mean holy word of God scripture. It doesn't. In fact, your question is by definition scripture. Remember in those days, the, the literacy, um, the amount of people who were literate were very, very few. It was only I mean, people who could read and write. There was just a very few people that could do that. Um, so there, weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of books that were written. It's not like you could, go, you could go to the New York Public Library and have a million books. No, I mean, the only books that they had were books that were written by, you know, people that were really highly educated in those days. And probably just, for the most part, at least prophets or people that were, uh, you know, associated with religious authority. Does that mean that everything they wrote is, is 
you know, inerrant. No, of course not. It's, it just means it's, it, it, they were moved by God. Um, God, God inspired them just like how someone might inspire me to write a song. Bruno, still going on, Bruno. While human effort was definitely involved in Bible writing, yes, it was, and fallible humans were involved. Yes, they were. Um, the most important role was played by God's Spirit. Uh, it revealed information that could not have been acquired through human research. Now, now you're getting into you're getting into assumptions. When it says, for example, Ezekiel said, you know, God appeared, I had a vision. That is what you're talking. That is re revelation. That is when the Spirit of God give him information. When Isaiah said, you know, the word of the Lord came to me. Yes, that is direct revelation from God, from the Spirit of God. Yes. But some of it, many, much of it is not. For example, I used to believe that in Jude, for example, when Jude said, you know, Enoch prophesied that, um, you know, the Lord will come back with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all the ungodly and all the ungodly things that they done, the ungodly ways and all the hard things that they spoke again, yada, yada, yada. I used to think, well, God, Jude must have knew that. He, 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 uh, the Holy Spirit must have showed him that. Because how would he know about what Enoch said or preached? That's what I used to think. Until I actually knew the facts of the matter, and that is that the book of Enoch was in circulation and accepted in his day as scripture by many people. Once I knew that historical fact, then I knew, oh, hey, Jude, it wasn't a revelation. I mean, after all, Jude didn't say, God spoke to me and God showed me a vision that Enoch you know, prophesied this. No, he did not say that. So let's not assume that. He wrote what was commonly known in those days. What Enoch said in the book of Enoch. You know, for example, I can say, I could write a book and I can say, to be or not to be, that is the question. Or Romeo, oh, Romeo, Wherefore out art thou, Romeo? Okay. Everybody knows that's Shakespeare that I'm quoting. I don't have to say, well, it says in Shakespeare in this chapter and verse, everybody knows I'm, I'm quoting Shakespeare because Shakespeare is existent. His writings are existent and commonly known in our day. Somebody 2,000 years from now might say, oh, that's really interesting, poetic, you know, thing that Christopher wrote. Wow, man, he must have, you know, he must have, he must be a, quite the, um, the author or God showed it to him or whatever. No, I wrote it and everybody knows that I got it from a commonly known, um, a commonly known uh, set book uh, or writings from Shakespeare. Everybody knows that. In the same way, Jude, when he wrote what he wrote, everybody knew in those days. Oh, yeah, well, we know that. It's a book of Enoch. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have to quote book, chapter, and verse. So a lot of things that are in the Bible has not been revealed directly from the Holy Spirit. 
A lot of things have been, but a lot of things are not. A lot of things are just history or common knowledge in those days or things that have been passed down from generation to generation. I mean, look, look at what Moses wrote. Look at what it says in Genesis, okay? Um, depending on the chronology, depending on what version of the chronology you go by, you can say, okay, Adam told Enoch these things. And Enoch told Noah these things. Noah told Seth. Seth told Levi. You know, or Noah told Shem, excuse me. Noah told Shem or whatever. I mean, I actually did this one time, uh, a chronology of how many hands did this information go through? If, if Moses didn't hear this directly of God, which he did not say he did, in Genesis chapter 1, if he didn't hear that directly from God, then it could have been common knowledge passed down from generation to generation to generation, like from Adam to Enoch to Abraham or to Noah to Abraham and so on and so forth. And I actually, one of the um, chronologies that I looked at, it's like I counted seven hands it could have went through. Not a lot from Adam to Moses. Now it depends on the it depends on what chronology you look at. It could be more than that, but all things considered, it's not a whole lot of hands that it could have been passed down from one hand to the next. So you gotta look at this objectively. And this is what I mean, and I've said this over and over again in this video, is that Christians, for the most part, anything that's unknown, mysterious, they attribute it to the Holy Spirit. Like, well, I don't know exactly where Moses got his information in Genesis chapter 1. Therefore, it's Holy Spirit. Therefore, Holy Spirit told him directly, uh, not so fast. It could have been passed down from hand to hand, from hand to hand to hand. After all, he did not specify the Lord spoke to me. Many other times he did. Many other times Moses did say, the Lord spoke to me, God spoke to me and said this or said that. Just like the prophets. The word of the Lord came to me or a vision came to me. God spoke to me. Thus saith the Lord. Okay, well, that's a direct revelation from God. I'm not, you know, absolutely. But a lot of it isn't. A lot of it isn't. A lot of it is just common knowledge or history that's been passed down from generation to generation. That's a fact. I'm sorry, again, uh, actually, sorry, not sorry, but I mean, I'm shooting at the bibliolatry. I'm, I'm shooting at the idol, as it is an idol. Gabriel says, just give us one. Listen, I mean, we're all time. <laughs> I have already went through this just about an hour ago, okay? Uh, and I'll give you more than one. Go to my videos, look up contradictions, look up the book of John, look up all these. I got several videos of many of them, okay? I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to harp on the same thing over and over again. If you're if you're honest, you'll do that. Go look at go look it up. It's all on my channel.
Caballero says, now I do understand that there are textual differences and contradictions in the Bible, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have no problem with that either. Actually, actually, I'm excited about it because, I mean, again, this, this, it, it proves, it just makes it all the more real to me. And once you know, because this is the thing, when people don't really know, they don't have a lot of knowledge, it does shake their faith. But the more they study it, the more they know, the more faith they have because they, they put their faith in facts, in evidence. They put their faith in historically proven things, and it makes their faith all the more secure and solid. It did for me. It did for me. I mean, we had Will on uh, last night, Brother Will, and he said that he used to be a police officer. And he's like, hey, I mean, he he said the same thing too. He's like, if if you got, uh, you know, uh, two or three witnesses and they all say the same thing, there's something really suspicious about that. If they they can say things that are vastly different, yet you you are able to investigate and find you can you can find true you can actually establish a stronger case with witnesses that do contradict on certain points because of the contradictions it makes it all the more real it makes it all the more believable it makes it all the more down to earth and it destroys the idea of perhaps false witnesses or conspiracies or out of the you know out of the world explanations but you see people if you're listening to me say this kind of thing and and you don't know what I'm talking about or it just doesn't compute that's because again because you haven't really spent a lot of time studying these things once you study these things once you get into the scriptures and study it from a scholarly point of view then you'll see how it does build your faith Honor underscore sacrifice says, agreed. This is why the Pauli, Paulian doctrine is false. One John, very good way of putting it, I am relieved that I don't have to defend 2,000 years of scribes and authors. That's what I mean. Like, you know, people who try to defend the Bible and to say it's inerrant, man, you've got a lot of work to do. And again, not only that, but you, you really do to be very blunt, you really do make a fool of yourself because people who really know the manuscripts, people who have poured over even some of the original manuscripts that have been found or not, I mean, nobody has the originals, but the ancient manuscripts and have seen for themselves, you know, the thousands of different variations and contradictions and discrepancies. I mean, It's amazing. It's amazing what people do. A lot of people, they do not really worship and trust God. What they do is they worship and trust their Bible canon. And the Bible canon is errant. It's errant because it's been changed. It's, it's, it has changed right from the very beginning, right from the days of Marcion, it has changed. I mean, Marcion started the New Testament, according to many scholars and historians. He started the New Testament. The 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 um, what has what they've called the firstborn of Satan started the New Testament with with Paul only, only Paul, 
and his and his homie Luke. Um, again, that should that should ring some bells. Uh, that should uh, there should be some red flags there. But it is it has changed right from that very day of the of the conception of the New Testament. Then later on, other church officials added First John, added James, added Shepherd of Hermas, added Barnabas. You know, added the Gospels, um, and then later on, after that, hundreds of years after that, then they started. Then they took out Shepherd of Hermas. Then they then they took out the uh, Epistle of Barnabas. Then they added all the all these other ones. Then they started taking out more of the uh, Apocrypha over and over again. They're tr- they're whittling. It's like a piece of wood. They're they're whittling away this piece of wood, trying to trying to what they're doing. They're not trying to. They're actually they're actually carving an idol which is today the 66 book bible canon it has been carved by men into what it is today there's no doubt about it and so yeah people who say that the bible is is inerrant they have to defend it's kind of funny in a way because i mean they got lots of work to do and they make a fool of themselves doing it, but they have a lot of work. They have to defend 2,000 years of, of this. They have to defend 2,000 years of lying pens of the scribes that handled it falsely. Those who copied the scriptures, who made mistakes, and sometimes intentionally changed it. They have to defend that. For <laughs> They have to defend a lot. Yeah, so one John says, you know, I can focus on salvation instead of bookkeeping. Exactly, exactly. Tammy says, can't you ban all these people that are trying to take over so uh, so we that, uh, so that we can... Oh, excuse me. We'd like to hear your information you have discovered you have discovered and learn so this could be more productive. Yes. Thank you very much, uh, Tammy, for your input. Yes, that's the reason why, you know, I, I had to just say, okay, uh, Trey, uh, we're not going anywhere, and obviously we can we can we can spend eternity uh, talking about e- the evidence and watching you dance around it and, and all this kind of thing. Thank you very much, Tammy. I appreciate that, and I take that seriously. Vita says, what about Thorah? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about, Thora. Sorry about this. I just got all of a sudden the got some problems here on TikTok. So I need to redo this. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, Vita. I cannot um I I'm not sure what you're talking about. Um I don't know Thora that much, so I can't really comment on that.
Joshua Foote, why did God hate Esau? I believe, I do not, let me just tell you what I do not believe. I do not believe that God, I don't believe the, um, the excuses and the explanations that people have. Well, God saw ahead of time as to what Esau would do. No, I don't believe that. I mean, he did, but I don't believe that's the reason why he rejected him. I don't believe that God, you know, it's like, well, I'm hated now for what I'm going to do 50 years from now. I don't think that God works like that. God hated me, you know, God hated me before I was born because of what I might do when I'm 90 years old. I know, I don't think so. I think that God hated Esau because he chose to, um, because there had to have been an Esau. Um, God is, you know, God is sovereign. He just, he chooses, as it says in Romans chapter nine, basically he, he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And, you know, he, um, he, he hates those whom he will hate. Uh, uh, he doesn't really have to have a reason per se. I mean, there had to have been an Esau. There had to have been a Pharaoh. There had to have been a Judas. Um, some people are just not vessels of mercy. And I think that that's just part of the plan of God. And I know that there a lot of people have the, they take the position of trying to make God look good to say, well, you know, he, you know, he hated him because of, what he knew what he would do or some other explanation. I think that that's just a frivolous and empty attempt to try to reconcile a nicey, nicey God, according to human standards to the, to reality, which is a God who some people are made to be vessels of mercy. Some people are just made to be vessels of wrath. And that's how God chose to do things. That's, it's just part of his plan. I mean, some some vessels we have in our homes, perhaps we we uh, value valuable things, our valuables. Other things, well, I mean, like the toilet brush. I mean, it needs to be there, okay? But I mean, the same thing with. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, but uh, it basically says that in in Romans chapter nine, like. Uh, and also in Jeremiah as well, like, you know, God is the potter. We are the clay. Uh, the, the potter can choose to um, to make a vessel of honor and also a vessel of dishonor. It's his choice. And he's got reasons for that. Um, I mean, some people could say, well, why did God make Satan if he knew Satan would be Satan? It's the same kind of thing, right? Um Thank you very much, Joshua Foote. Very good question. And welcome. Good to see you as well. Maurice on Twitch says, good day, good day. Good to see you. Welcome. Joshua said, uh, is it better understood that God just chose Jacob and didn't choose Esau? Well, yeah, that's, that's another way to put it, I guess. Um, 
you see how Esau always had the shorter straw, so to speak, in, in life anyway. He always lost. He always lost. Um, he was a you know he was a loser, but I think he was a loser because of God's, you know, because how God didn't like him to say the least, right? God hated him, or God didn't love him like He loved uh, Jacob, and that was evident in 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 the way that his life played out. I mean, God could have, uh, you know, made sure that Esau didn't sell his birthright, or um, God could have, you know, avoid made sure that Esau avoided different temptations and um, and pitfalls, but he didn't. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's just it was just the choosing of God. Great deception. Uh, a good example of man twisting scripture is the, this is where Jesus declared all food clean. And that's another, uh, as I said before, in Mark, there are, uh, there are several very clear contradictions. Um, the one I pointed out earlier to Trey, that's one. That's another one. Uh, Mark is a problematic book. Uh, probably, uh, probably not quite as problematic as the gospel of of John, but it is a problematic book. Um, Vita Hosea 6 2 uh, says, After two days he will revive us, on the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Now, I do believe this is a prophecy of the resurrection. Now, I find it very interesting, and let me just point this out as well, and Onia spoke about this last night, and we saw this before as well in our daily scripture readings, comparing the Masoretic text to the Septuagint. And sometimes we have, um, you know, us, for example, could mean, uh, could be translated differently in the in the Septuagint. You know, in the Septuagint where it says, um, she, for example, in Proverbs, in regards to wisdom, it says, well, excuse me, it says she in the Masoretic text, but it says it in the Septuagint. And sometimes, you know, we get things like this, us or them in one family manuscripts and he or she in the other family manuscripts. So in this case, you could say that um, this us could, could also be uh, translated as me, um, all things considered, when you look at all the different families and manuscripts and how they they get some of these pronouns mixed up, um, it could it could it could be translated or interpreted as me or he, that kind of thing. So yes, I do believe that is a prophecy of the resurrection. We got a lot of people quoting scripture, like quoting it. If you guys, if you guys can, could you please actually copy and paste like the actual verse as well? That would just save time here. Like instead of me trying to pull up every one of these scripture references, if you could just copy and paste not just not only the reference but also the actual quote of the verse, um, I would appreciate it. 
Um, Deuteronomy 6, 9, I'm just trying to pull this up here. And you shall write them on the lintels of your houses and, and of your gates. <laughs> Vinny says, Shalom, everyone. I woke up late again at 6.30 a.m. Shalom, Vinny, good to see you. One John says, Torah is Torah. Uh, if there if there are all these inconsistencies, how can we trust the Torah? I think that's the question. Yeah, there are also inconsistencies in the Torah as well. Um, you know, we have things such as the Septuagint. Like I have a hard copy right here. This is the reason why any any specific like any any serious. Bible students should be should be um, you know comparing all these different manuscripts. I got a hard copy of the Septuagint here, uh, also a hard copy of the uh, Samaritan version of the Torah as well, which is different in certain ways um, from the commonly accepted Masoretic version of the Torah. Um, I'm not aware of any real like overly significant inconsistencies in the Torah. Um, in, the, in the case of the Samaritan, we have the location, like Mount Gerizim, you know, uh, the, the different mountains sometimes we have uh, the inconsistencies. But I don't know of any real, very significant inconsistencies between uh, the manuscripts of the Torah. But I highly recommend that everyone compares the manuscripts. I believe that's JIB says, um, love your love your channel, Brother Christopher. Thank you very much. Thank you. Eduardo, Eduardo says, love your program. Thank you. Anthony's asking about the Hebrew Israelites. I normally don't speak about that. It's not really my specialty. Um, there are people out there that, that do speak about it. Um, I, you know, I, I would I would focus on what the scriptures actually say in the historical facts that a lot of times are mixed up with that. Like a lot of things are like a lot of times it's a lot like race is really something that they emphasize, which I don't think it should be emphasized as much. Anthony says, and on Joel 2.32, is this saying that everyone who calls slash prays to Jesus on his second coming will be saved? Um It says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved for all, in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall uh, shall the saved one be as the Lord has said. And they that have glad tidings preached to them whom the Lord has called. Okay. Um, now, Excuse me, when it talks about the name of the Lord, 
we have, uh, I, I've spoken on this subject many times before. It doesn't necessarily mean a phonetic thing that you, it, the name of somebody doesn't necessarily mean a word or like Jesus or like John. Uh, rather, the name is actually some, is what is the attributes of a person. For example, when Moses asked God uh, what his name was, and, he, and, and, and God said later on, Moses, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Um, he didn't just proclaim the, you know, the tetragrammaton, but rather the attributes of God. Uh, so the name is, is a whole lot more than just a word made of letters that you can pronounce with your tongue and your, or, you know, your earthly tongue and lips. It's something that is, it's, it's actually the persona of a, of, of a person. It's, it's, it's the attributes of a person is, is who they really are. Uh, there's also the idea that we, we spoke of this last night as well as before um, with Onia. We have at least in one uh, instance in, in the Tanakh where it talks about the name of the Lord. And it actually should be translated the law of God uh, when you compare the Greek manuscripts. Because name, oh, um, um, what is it now? Oh, Namati versus Ne, uh, versus, oh, say, the law, O Namati versus the name, own oh, excuse me, I'm getting mixed up now. There's like a few letters difference and a space in between the letters that they, it can mean the same thing as well. So, um, yeah, when you call upon the name of the Lord, what you're doing is you're calling unto God according to his mercy, according to his personal attributes. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean pronouncing a name. And this is where a lot of Christians, even Christians get it wrong too, where they say, well, Jesus said, you know, you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. Well, if, if again, if Christians were honest, that's not true in the sense of, pronouncing the name of Jesus in your prayers because people get people do this all the time right they say in Jesus name be healed but most of the time it doesn't happen or Lord I pray that I'll, I'll have a portion in my driveway tomorrow morning in Jesus name what Jesus said whatever you ask in my name um, that will you'll you'll have it doesn't mean just because you pronounce the name of Jesus that you're actually that's doesn't mean that that's in his name in his name, meaning if you ask something in Jesus' name, it means you ask something according to his personal attributes, according to who he is, according to how he would ask. So the phrase in his name means a whole lot more than just a word with letters that you pronounce with your lips. It means it's much deeper than that. It goes into the actual attributes personality um, and work of a person as well. That's why some people, people, people's names, like for example, John Smith, the, the last name Smith has got to do with their occupation, right? Maybe a blacksmith, you know? Um, so that's what it means when it says call upon the name of the Lord. People can call upon the name of the Lord without even pronouncing any 
specific name as long as you call on the Lord in truth and in spirit. Thank you for your questions. Good question. Very good. Very good. Um, Vita says the Torah scrolls was burning in Babylonian Babylon's time. So it's also writing by man. Spin, Spinoza, famous Jewish philosopher who said Torah is inspiration of man and not from God. What do you think? Um, in Second Esdras, it does talk about how basically like all or most of a good part, a good portion anyway, of the holy scriptures were lost or destroyed. And it was Ezra's um, job to, to, uh, to redo the, to redo everything, to reprint the scrolls. Um, I don't believe that we have lost the scroll, the, the Torah, as, as we know it today, I believe at least generally is a, is, is um is accurate at least in a general point of view it's accurate as i said before that there there are different manuscript variations and i'm not i'm not very familiar with the torah scrolls burning in babylon babylon time um but even if it was uh, Second Esdras, if Second Esdras is accurate in what it says, it was reproduced by Ezra. So I would trust it. I would trust the Torah that we have, at least generally speaking, all things considered. Uh, again, considering all of the families of manuscripts that we have available to us. It seems to be that it it's pretty much all the same message and it's pretty much all the same spirit of the Torah, although there are some discrepancies here and there. I would say that it is um, generally uh, trustworthy and uh, I would not... Um, yeah, I would not doubt it. Uh, I would not I, and I would not throw out the Torah if that's if that's what you're asking me. Um, you know, we have a, we have what we have, and um, Second Esdras speaks about the history of some of these scriptures that have been destroyed. Yeah, so that's that's all I could say about it, uh, Vita. Very good question. I can tell you're uh, you're really doing your research. It's awesome. Thank you, Vita. Great Deception says I like Second Esdras. Or Ezra, yes, Second uh, Ezra. There's, uh, it's also called Four Ezra, because there's one, two, three, and four Ezra. So Second Ezra, in some traditions, is entitled Four Ezra. I believe Four Ezra is more of like a Jewish, from the Jewish um, Tanakh, so to speak. Four Ezra. Okay, guys, um, pretty much covered it. Now, what I'm going to do here. Um, because of our, um, I'm going to post a poll here in the last few minutes. I'm going to post a poll. 
for you guys because you guys, at least a good portion of you, are the people who have been coming on here quite regularly. And so I want to ask you guys a question. So the question is, should I continue to invite people on here like I did today? Okay, so we had uh, we had that gentleman that, that joined us today earlier. Okay, so the question is, should I invite people like the way it happened today? Should that happen again? I'm asking you guys because I'm here to serve you guys, um, and I just want to know you guys like what what you what you believe and how you um, is this something that was beneficial to you or did it help you? Um, is this something that I should do again? So the question is, should I continue to invite people on here to argue? Uh, the, the first answer is yes, it was educational. Or the next one is no, just focus on teaching. Okay, so I'm, let me put this let me put this out there, and you guys, I'll give you guys a few um, a moment to vote on it. Yeah, so I'll let you guys vote on that. Again, this is something I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to have dip more more people on here um, that opposes what I'm saying. Let's say bibliologists or ipologists, as I would call them, or people who disagree with me and um, and that kind of thing. So, from your from your point of view. All of you guys, I like I, again, I appreciate all you guys. You guys are awesome. As I always say, uh, I appreciate your input, your um, your view. Um, I mean, we're all in this uh, in this fellowship, and uh, I'm here to serve you guys as, as, as good as I possibly can. So should I have people like that come on here again or more? Uh, or should I just just focus on teaching a certain topic and just ignore the people who disagree with me? Mark says that verse, the great deception brought up was a gem about the scribes. Yes, yes. And yeah, awesome. Thank you very much, the great deception. We so far on the poll, we are just slightly coming ahead on yes that I should have other people like that on here. Um, and if you have any other, um, anything else to add, please put that in the live chat as well. Like I should let him go on more or I should have cut him off even earlier. Um, uh, this kind of thing, just, you know, uh, feel free to, to, uh, to do that right now, to let your, let your voice be heard. I take you. I take your uh, input, your feedback very seriously. So, let me know what you think. Uh, if I do this again, it seems like again. It seems like we're just coming out. Say mo most people just slightly ahead, saying yes, I should do it again. Bring someone on here like that. Um, but what do you think? If 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 it were to be done differently, what would you what would you recommend? Or Nothing differently. They're both the same.
So uh, in the meantime, I still I'm still got I still got the uh, poll open here. Those of you who are on YouTube, by the way, I'm sorry it's not on TikTok, but for those of you who are on YouTube, um, still got the poll open. I'll leave it open for a few more minutes, and uh, we'll see what happens. So what we do every single evening, every day, uh, except for Saturday, we do it in the daytime. But every other, e like every week, every evening, Sunday through Friday, uh, six nights a week, 7 p.m. Eastern, we're going through the scriptures. Um, we're going through the scriptures and we are uh, uh, reading things chronologically, discussing the scriptures. Uh, learning from one another, fellowshipping. If you guys are interested in that kind of thing, if there's anybody that's listening to this and you have not been partaking of our nightly scripture readings, um, you're welcome to do so. Come on any night, 7 p.m. Eastern. You're welcome. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure that... Um, make sure you're following. Make sure you got the notifications on. So we've had another couple votes in the past few minutes, and it's coming out even more so in the yes, saying yes, I should continue to invite people to, on to, uh, should I continue to invite people on here to argue? Um, yeah, maybe I should have, re maybe I should have rephrased that, not argue, but debate. But then again, debating really is arguing in a way. Um Yeah, Tammy says, if it's a debate, that's different, but arguments are full of anxiety. Thank you, Tammy. One John says, no one who disagrees is going to change my mind, so it's a waste of time. Thank you, One John. Mark says, I think you did it right because we have all been there at one point in time and needed to, to humble ourselves for the truth. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. One John says, I would rather you have guests on that support your views with a different understanding like that rabbi. Very good. I appreciate your feedback. Question for Move says, I don't think argue, but in educational debate, it's kind of a fine line because in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good debate, they are arguing, <clears throat> but I hear you. I understand what you mean. Caballero says, I think invited guests scheduled ahead of time are better. I hear you on that. Bruno says, was Moses a rabbi? By definition, yes. Rabbi simply means teacher. It's a Hebrew word that actually means my teacher. So Moses was a teacher. It is a teacher. I guess you could. Moses was a, was a rabbi. Yeah. In that sense, he was. Tammy, uh, let me see here. I'm I'm with the group of I'm with a group of seven and we all vote debates good, arguments bad. Okay. 
And we got debates slash arguments are great because they make you think. When John says, are you going to invite Rabbi Singer back again? I would like to, yes. Um, not sure when. I know. See how it goes. Yeah, I would like to, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And we're still coming out on top when it comes to should I have should I invite people on here to argue uh, as yes, but I do take you your uh, all of your feedback here very seriously as well, and I include that with with the um, the poll results. Like invite them back to argue, not not invite them back to argue, but rather to debate and to have a scheduled debate. And I do I do I I think that's a good idea. Because once you get these people that just kind of haphazardly come on, it's like, you know, it's like these people are not very, as you notice many times when I'm doing lives, especially on TikTok, when somebody tries to challenge me, I say, well, wait until I'm done and then I'll get to you. And almost every time they, they're gone by the time I get to them anyway. So these people are not very interested in learning anyway. So question for move, you're in a situation full of people that are anti-religious. I would highly recommend planning on finding another place then. I know that might be something that is may not be possible immediately, but I would plan on it. All right, guys, so far we have – yeah, Caballero says, will you invite again Yitzhak from Taste of Torah? Yeah, yeah, he seemed to be an interesting, interesting and enjoyable guest. Oh, okay, question for move says, uh, I'm not 18 yet, but once time, time comes, I'll probably move. Okay. Vita says, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Vita. I appreciate your questions. Very good questions. Yeah, that's probably why the attacks are coming. That's that's for sure. Great deception. Yeah. It could be, you know, um, very, very possible. Yeah. Question on TikTok is, is this talk on Discord? No, it's not. It's on, I'm talking to people on YouTube, YouTube Live. <laughs> you guys are kind of split there when it comes to getting people on like this to argue. But I will, like everything here you said, um, more of a debate, not so much of an argument and more of something that's scheduled. Okay, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to end the poll. The poll ends at 59% versus 41%. 59% saying, yes, have people on like that again. 49%, uh, 41% says no. 
so I'll take that into consideration. Everything you guys said, I appreciate every one of you guys. As always, you guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys are subscribed or following if you're not already. And uh, tomorrow, same time, or not same time, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll, we'll be back reading from the scriptures, going through several passages of scripture, talking about them, fellowshipping. So it is going to be another awesome time of fellowship and learning and doing what God said to do, right? To, to read the scriptures, to always have them before our eyes and to meditate on them. Amen. All right, guys. That's it for, for today. That's it for the live stream. As always, I pray for each one of you listening that the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.